What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. We tried this last week. Uh, it didn't work out very well. We got it recorded, but uh, just couldn't uh, couldn't get it posted for you guys. But uh, we're back here for the summer. We got Chance Isles in in the studio, Happy which is uh, the downstairs basement. We got we got some PGA going on. You know, we got to move a little bit. Yeah, got to keep us uh, got to keep us entertained. But we're here. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, let's start with the NBA lottery. Uh, crazy lottery results. Only one team in the projected top five got a top, or excuse me, two teams in the projected top five got top five picks. Cleveland fell to five from two, and New York fell from one to three. New Orleans gets Zion. That's crazy. I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, that's that's exactly what they want from the lottery, though. They want teams that might not have the worst record to have an opportunity that first overall pick, and to see it actually happen and unfold that way proves that their system is working. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, it's it was crazy to see, though, that all of the, the changed percentages sort of uh, changed the way we, we have the lottery, because most of the time, I mean, that the team that has the 25% in most years, uh, they're most likely getting that first or second pick, and this year... New York falls out of that and not able to not able to get it, and a lot of people already speculated New Orleans was going to get the number one pick just because of a trade with New York. They thought New York would get the first pick and trade the, that pick to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. And now, for the time being, the Pelicans have the luxury of having Zion and well, the hypothetical pick of Zion. Right, it's basically and Zion. It's basically Zion, but you also have Anthony Davis in the fold still. And does that do you think Zion gives Anthony Davis enough reason to come back? Uh, you know, as a, in a basketball sense, they really work well together. It, it's a it's a perfect fit if you think about it. Like they're, they what you I wasn't really thinking about New Orleans as a team to get Zion just because of the odds they had. Right. But now that they have him, if you pair him with Anthony Davis, you know, that's the kind of big man I guess. I mean, he's only six seven, but that's the kind of big you could pair with Anthony Davis. He can he can bully some guys down low and. You spread Anthony Davis out like you should be. You have him on the perimeter, and you know I think you can make some things work that way. But it all depends on if Anthony Davis wants to stay in New Orleans, and right. we'll see what David Griffin can do. I think it's more than just the players with Anthony Davis as far as New Orleans goes, too. It's kind of like the upper, the front office and the coaching staff. I mean, how many coaches has he had in New Orleans since he's been there? Uh, I think three or uh, I think three. Yeah, yeah, he's just kind of going. But I, I also agree with you in the fact that him and Zion work well together because Andy Davis can play your non-traditional five and still be a an outside threat. Mm-hmm. Zion can uh, slide into an undersized four role, but the way that dude jumps, I mean, he's not really undersized at the four. He can get up and compete with all the bigs at the four and five positions. Yeah, absolutely. His athleticism helps him play more like a six ten power forward. Just because, and uh, it'll be interesting to see at the combine how how his measurables, how he does actually measure out as far as uh, wingspan, height, and everything like that. Because that's always that's uh, up up for debate with a lot of these players. Uh, one one guy in mind is Jarrett Culver, who we'll probably get to later once we talk about the. Mock draft, um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what Anthony Davis really wants to do because, you know, he's he's been pretty he's been very adamant about not wanting to stay in New Orleans. He even said after getting that number one pick, he still wants to be gone. But David Griffin wants to see if if they can work it out until February and see if they can move him at the deadline. But I don't think Davis even want has any want to stay in New Orleans for that long, anyways. No. So I I don't suspect. Um, Anthony Davis to start the season in New Orleans. Personally, I th- I, I would see him getting traded uh, more than likely. But I think I honestly would think that uh, staying in New Orleans would be a good fit for him. I just don't know if with all the bridges that might have been burned already, if if anything can really change. Yeah, more. The, the Pelicans at least they got this is like their safety valve that they didn't know they had. See now they they had to get rid of Anthony Davis. But what they get if last year if they got rid of Anthony Davis they had nothing to build around. Mm-hmm. They had to go on a pick that they didn't know they're going to have. They could have had anywhere from one through five. Now they know they have the number one overall pick. Yeah, you know you're going to land Zion. You trade away Anthony Davis, you're going to get a king's ransom in return prospects and maybe even more picks. And then now you have Zion to build around. As long as Zion lives up to the hype that everyone's kind of given him all through college and through the draft process, I mean, I don't see any reason why the Pelicans can't be a good team two or three years down the road. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hypothetically speaking, let's just look at uh, a package. Um, Let's look at the Knicks package, for example. They have the number three pick, Kevin Knox, uh, maybe some other picks from uh, Dallas. Those Mm -hmm. are the two first-round picks that they got from Dallas. That could be an interesting offer. You know, you bring in, you could bring in R.J. Barrett with Zion and Kevin Knox. That, that's a good four. That's a good three young guys to build around. Yeah, that are, building around three young guys is scary in the NBA. It, that is scary, but you know, you still have Drew Holiday to run the point right. for the time being. So you still have that veteran presence around, and 
shoot, even with the I mean, with the potential that Zion has and what people are talking about, having a core that starts with Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson really isn't that bad, especially if uh, you have a second year at Kevin Knox. You have um, you you maybe sign a couple guys in free agency. You still have Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. You still have some guys that were were good for this New Orleans team. If right. you would have had Anthony Davis last year, this is probably a playoff team if he doesn't sit out. So you still have some pieces. It, it'll, it's just going to be interesting to see. I would say maybe let's look at a Lakers trade, but everybody knows that the Pelicans do not want to deal with the with the Los Angeles Lakers well, at all. After everything, I still everything. think that the Celtics are kind of in the mix as well because. Kyrie Irving's gone, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's just no interest in him, it seems like, in the press conferences he's given. But, I mean, I think if you go that way, you get a more proven commodity route because there's no way you get rid of Anthony Davis without picking up Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or both. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll get both, but one of those guys is still, those are, those are guys that have been in the league for, maybe Tatum's third year and Brown's fourth? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. so you bring one of those guys in or both of them in, I mean, that's another... He's not a veteran presence, but it's someone who's been around the league, who's a younger guy that you can build around. For and sure. I'm sure you can swindle a pick out of it, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just depends uh, as far as the Celtics go uh, with the return of getting Anthony Davis. You don't want to be stuck in the position you maybe are right now with Kyrie where he can just leave in a year because Anthony Davis, uh, he only has one year left on his contract. So that's unless you have some pretty good certainty that you can resign him, that's just scary to you know trade right. trade some of your younger pieces for maybe just one year, but it's worked out. You know, Paul George was able to stay in Oklahoma City after everybody thought he was going to LA. Reports are showing that more and more that you know Kawhi might stay in Toronto. We have seen this sort of been happening more and more that uh, teams are, or guys are staying in these in these smaller markets just because. And Boston's not really a smaller market. It's right. just not where it's not one of the preferred destinations that. That uh, Anthony Davis. Has well, been the important wanting. thing to remember too is that with the Kawhi Leonard situation, the Paul George situation. I mean, Paul George found pretty quick success with Russell Westbrook. They kind of disappointed this year, but they, I think he likes playing with Russell Westbrook as much as everybody says that yeah. he shouldn't want to play with the guy. Mm-hmm. And then Kawhi Leonard saw awesome success with the Raptors this year. I mean, he's he's had career numbers. He's done things at Kawhi Leonard. We've come to expect from him. Eastern Conference Finals, exactly. That we'll get to. Yeah, later. and they're doing they're doing great over there. And there's mm-hmm. no reason why he should want to resign because there's still a good core there. I mean, Kyle Lowry had a good night last night, so I mean, maybe he can figure out to play in the playoffs. They could be a scary only, team for hey, a couple more years. Only Raptor to have a field goal in the fourth quarter last night. Oh, there 15, you go. Oh, 15 from the rest of the Raptors. But we'll talk about that game yeah. later. Let's uh, let's just uh, keep going in the lottery here. Let's move on. I did my uh, I didn't watch most of the Warriors game that night. Uh, I had it on. But uh, I was mainly working on my mock draft, and I think the first three picks are what every single mock draft has: oh, yeah. uh, Zion, R- uh, Ja, and RJ. Yep. That's uh, it, it's it, Ja going to Memphis is seems like just a perfect fit to oh, take yeah. over for Mike Conley. Him and Jaron Jackson pick and roll offense is going to be yes. so scary. Uh, RJ Barrett, uh, he's he's the third best player in this class, and the Knicks would be crazy not to really take him. I, there's Unless something happens with like a Jarrett Culver or DeAndre Hunter yeah, sort of. Yeah, I'm scared the Knicks are going to want to get cute because they did lose out in that first pick. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try and say, oh, maybe somebody lower, like you said, Jarrett Culver or like a Darius Garland yeah. has like a higher upside, and then you end up getting mm-hmm. a worse player. Uh, the one the one difference in my mock draft that I've, uh, I've been seeing compared to others is that I have Cam Reddish going forward to the Lakers. Uh, I don't necessarily think Cam's the fourth best player in this draft, but I think it's the biggest home run pick that the Lakers can make. And that's what they're trying to do. Four, with and they and they need to. Um, that is if they keep this pick. I don't know. Le- LeBron's never liked having young players on his team. No. He's already had to deal with a ton of young players on the team last year. Right. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they move that pick. Uh, you move on to Cleveland. I think Jarrett Culver's a really good fit uh, in Cleveland with Colin Sexton and uh, Shetty Oseman. He's probably going to be the three. Uh, Shetty's not a very good perimeter defender, and so bringing in Jarrett Culver... Uh, he can defend one through three pretty well and match up with a good backcourt with Colin Sexton on the defensive end. Uh, and then you got Darius Garland going six to the Suns. I think that's a pretty good point guard that they... And they need they, a point guard they, so they, they need a point guard in that offense. So um, I was talking about this last night. I see maybe the Suns is one of those teams that could land a Terry Rozier in the offseason. Not to say they wouldn't take a young point guard yeah. still, but they, cause they're just such a point hungry, point guard hungry team uh-huh. that I can see them taking one in the draft in a big name free agency as well. And you could still get Terry Rozier on a pretty cheap contract oh, yeah. after the year he had in, in Boston. Uh, DeAndre Hunter going to the Bulls. Uh, Kobe White's been mocked to them a lot go, at, at number seven. Uh, I just think you know there's only one basketball on the court, and with, with the roster the Chicago Bulls have, there's a lot of guys that are on the court that need the ball. I think DeAndre Hunter's a guy that doesn't really need the ball. You were talking earlier mm-hmm. about how people are sort of comping him to Kawhi. And I think that's a I, 
honestly, you know, in a, in a slower, he, he just likes to really let the game come to him. And I think right. that, I, I see that a lot. And so the fact that you could bring in a guy like that without sort of taking away from any of your uh, younger stars that you'd like, I think that's that'd be a good fit. Uh, eight and ten, the Hawks have. I have them going with Brandon Clark and Romeo Langford. I think Clark can pair well with J- uh, John Collins, and uh, Romeo Langford could could he's he's the best available at ten, yeah. and I think he could really if he could figure out his shooting well. He, he could slide in. He could slide into that uh, three spot maybe with uh, Kevin Herter. Yeah, uh, at he's a little two. bit of a smaller two mm-hmm. or a smaller three, but I think he could make it work. He's mad athletic. I watched him at IU last year quite a few quite a few times. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. I mean, IU just had a bad season. He had a little bit of a rough season. It's kind of hard when it's just a mixture of bad stuff. Finger injuries, you know, it just some some bad stuff going on for him. Just the mechanics are, are and the shooting motion are some of the things that bothered me a little bit. You know, watching him against Michigan State and Michigan a few times. Yeah, just the mechanics seemed a little off. So. Uh, that's that's the only question mark for uh, Langford at nine with the Wizards. Kobe White filling in for uh, John Wall. Uh, John Wall's contract is just not something. That's that not they, that's not a good situation. Don't no, and you know thing. you bring in you bring in a younger point guard to sort of uh, fade out John Wall. Maybe maybe you keep Bradley Beal around. I think for you a kind while. of have to because mm-hmm. with, with John Wall being so hit mm-hmm. or miss as far as staying on the court with injuries and playing and all that stuff. I mean you got to keep somebody that's going to put bring his fans into the season. That's Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal yeah. is a very underrated player in this league. Top and top five shooting guard, definitely in this league. Oh, so. without without a doubt, and uh, I think I think Kobe White could be a good fit there. He he's a good modern modern style point guard. Yeah. Six five, he can play, he can defend the position pretty well too. Let's move on to pick eleven. Uh, uh, the Timberwolves. I got Seko Diumbie. He's he plays in the French league. I think he's one of the younger players in this draft. Um, you know he's. He doesn't have a lot of shooting ability, but he's he, he everybody is raving about his uh, his athleticism, uh, and just at, I think he's I don't think he's eight or nineteen yet, and so they're when you're drafting a guy at eighteen, you have a you have a ton of potential that you 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 can build. Oh yeah, this guy's not going to find probably solid rotation minutes for the next couple mm-hmm. of years. I mean, drafting stash is a a strategy we've seen by quite a few teams. Oh yeah, the Timberwolves and, and, and yeah, and the dude is seniors. mad athletic, and he can mm-hmm. if he has when you're athletic like that, you have the versatility to maybe guard multiple mm-hmm. positions. And if you develop a shooting touch, you're at at low end a bench player that's three and D high level, and at the, the high end, this guy's a starting starting in your lineup, and mm-hmm. he's doing he's getting people out into the corners, he's spacing the floor. Yeah, let's uh, he he could really turn into uh, an Andrew Wiggins type. Uh, you know, Wiggins doesn't have Andrew Wiggins that cares about basketball. Yes, that that's a perfect a per, perfect comparison. Just because you know, Wiggins didn't he he looked like he had a jumper coming to the league, but it really hasn't panned out. No. And he doesn't really try on defense. So you it if you can get if you can get uh, Duimbe, it's a tough name to pronounce. Yeah, so that's tough. Sometimes name. these names in this dra- in the draft, it's just you don't you so don't want to do the second round. And they're oh all drafting stash. Yeah. Uh, you would hope that he's going to, you know, he gives you a ton of energy. And that's one that's one of the things that's really stood out in, in the French League games is he, he runs the floor so well. He just, he's always, he's always up and down. And so hopefully you can see some more produ- pro- productivity on the offensive end. But right now he, he would be a real project. But at 11, I think that's the best choice for the Timberwolves. Uh, number 12, the, the Hornets, uh, Nasser Little. He was super athletic coming out of high school. He was, he, I think, a top five po- prospect. And the jumper just didn't really no. uh, pan out in, in in North Carolina. I think he shot under 30% from three, or just around 30% from I three. I mean, he's a natural talent, but the mm-hmm. guy didn't play that many minutes his freshman year either. No. I mean, that's not to say anything because we've seen college guys play minimal minutes and come into the league and dominate. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I just, it's a red flag for me to see someone play so little minutes and just you don't get to see a big sample size. Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do at a private workouts. Yeah, and with the same with some of these prospects, it's the jumper is going to be a problem if you don't have that, especially in today's league when you need to be able to space the floor a little bit. Because we're seeing in the playoffs, if you can't space the floor, you're just going to get played off the court. Oh yeah. And so if you're if you're drafting a guy, you want to be able to know that. Uh, maybe the the shot's not there now at 19, but maybe at 21 or 22, he's got it figured out and he can be a right. he can be a good piece. And that's for why us. I like how you put uh, Debouye over Nasir Little because Debouye I think has more of a foundation for a jump shot mm-hmm. right now. Oh, absolutely. Because there's 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 a very possible chance they both develop jump shots mm-hmm. into their careers at some point. But I think Debouye has a better. I was reading some of the scouting reports and stuff. He's got a kind of a high high arcing sort of shot. It's mm-hmm. easy to build a foundation on to get a good jump shooter. Absolutely. And then Nasir Little, you just never know. He just might have to be athletic for a while and just be that guy yeah Kobe White really outplayed him as the best freshman in North Carolina oh, for sure. we thought 
we thought for sure it was going to be Nasir Little going in, but Kobe White, he took that starting role, which Roy Williams does not like to start freshman very yeah. often. Um, so the workouts are, are definitely going to be a key for Nasir Little coming into the draft. So at 13, the Miami Heat, I got him going with Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker out of Iowa State. He was a bit of an unknown uh, in this year's draft. Uh, he's one of the younger guys in the draft. I think he's he he's just like Duumbia won't turn uh, won't turn 19 until the uh, the middle of the season, and so drafting a guy like him uh, at the defensive end he's he can he can guard uh, the one and the two pretty well. That was his specialty uh, at Iowa State. A good playmaker. Uh, shooting once again is going to be a problem. This draft isn't loaded with a ton of top end shooters. I don't believe. No. Uh, we thought like a guy like Cam Reddish was going to be a lockdown shooter, and he struggled this season. Right. Uh, John Morant is known as one of the better shooters in this draft, and he only shot 34% from three. Uh, Jarrett Culver, he's an he's an iffy shooter. So there's not a lot of shooters in this draft. So while it's probably a negative, and why they're in a, in a lottery, that's that's why, just because there's there's nothing there. Well, that's the funny thing about the mm-hmm. NBA draft that I've come to notice is that you don't see a lot of guys that come in and just like this guy's a knockdown shooter. You don't really see a lot of guys that come out and like that's their niche as far as like a basketball player goes. I mean, it's either a point guard that's got really good ball handling, mm-hmm. really good driving lane, need to jump shot, or it's a bigger guy that's really good around the rim and finishing drives, not a great jump shot. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. And you see in the later rounds, more guys you see the jump shot specialists. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, in the NBA draft, is you can't teach athleticism. You can teach a three-point jump shot. Exactly. And they, if they learn it, they can become. They can get, you can't make a guy that's six-two a buck eighty. You can't make him turn into the athletic point guard like a Russell Westbrook, John Morant type. Yeah. You can't just have that happen. You can have a three-point shot happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the funny thing. You might see guys that go later, like, oh, that guy was a great scorer. Like Frank Mason went really late. He was one of the better scorers. Um, but those the, guys, just, the athleticism's not exactly. There. He's not going to be a game changer mm-hmm. as far as athletic standpoint. He's got to get an open shot. Yeah, and. That, that's that's just really the key, you know. You gotta you gotta like you said, you gotta look for guys that sort of have that foundation of a good jump shot. Uh, yeah. One thing that uh, to look at for future three point success is looking at their free throw percentage. And if you're around seventy five percent, that normally means you're going to you have you. There's more likelihood that your three point percentage will go up and yeah. will will improve. Uh, the last pick of the lottery, the Boston Celtics at fourteen. I'm going with Jalen McDaniels. He's six ten out of San Diego State. Uh, he's a springy three and D modern four. Uh, he can get his own shot shot off the dribble. He can drive to the lane, and um, you know, uh, I didn't really hear about him too much coming no. out coming out of uh, coming out of San Diego State. I watched some film on him. I saw he was in uh, the top twenty of a lot of big boards. Watched some film on him, and just the way he plays is just sort of the way you know you want your fours and fives to play right. nowadays. He's a little skinnier. You want to you want to be able to put some muscle on him, but uh, with Horford. Sort of, uh, he, he's going to be on his last year of his deal if he if he accepts his player option uh, this summer. Uh, they don't have many modern bigs in, on this team, and so bringing in a younger guy like McDaniel's, who's a freshman, uh, I think that would be a good fit for the Celtics. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the Celtics are kind of on this weird gray area. Right you don't now. really know where they're at. No, you don't know if they're going to go for Anthony Davis and try and go for a title next year. You don't know if they're going to kind of hold hold pat with their young pieces and mm-hmm. see if they develop. I honestly think they should go with the younger route because they still have two first-round picks this year. Yeah. I mean, the 14 pick, you might find a contributor that can play in the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think their next one's like in the tw- – yeah, number 20. I th- yeah, I think they have four firsts. Oh, really? Yeah, they have four first-round picks, I believe. Oh, wow. So, they're yeah. all – yeah, and three of them are late, so they're not really going to be – they're, right. they're going to be G League guys more yeah. than likely. But you might you might be able to find somebody here or there. No, but I think that that's kind of the route. If mm-hmm. I were a GM – which thank God I'm not, but the Celtics should go is just kind of hold pat with their young pieces because you don't know, like we yeah. talked about earlier, you don't know if Anthony Davis is going to leave, you don't know if he's going to stay, and you don't want to yeah. screw yourself for the next five, ten years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last pick I want to look at, it's outside of the lottery, but is the it is the 15th pick. It's the Detroit Pistons, the one right pick. right there. We might as well. Yeah, we might as well. It's the one pick that I actually care about. Um, <laughs> I mock them to Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, Virginia Tech point guard. He's 6'5". Uh, he can shoot. He can make a play off the dribble for himself, and uh, he can defend pretty well at the one, which is something that uh, defensively we've had some trouble with at the one. Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson aren't plus defenders no. by any means. Um, it's a real toss-up for me here for the Pistons at 15. You know, there's a ton of guys that I really like: uh, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Lugans Dort, uh, Casey Akpala. Those are those are three of the guys. Cam Johnson's another. That I'm I re- a big Rui guy. I don't mind Rui yeah, coming over. Yeah, Rui, I mean- Rui Hachimura, six nine. 
it just depends position wise position wise what he's going to be because can he play a three is he going to be he's more than likely going to be a four in the league and just with Blake Griffin's contract, do you bring in uh, a guy? I think he could play the three. I mean, I'm looking at some stats here. Mm-hmm. He, he, he shot 41% from three-point range as a junior. Yeah. Which is really good for a 6'8 power forward. And 6'8's not huge. I mean, it'd be a big small forward, of course. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I like the Nikhil pick because we do need point guard depth because we don't know what, what's ever going to happen with Reggie Jackson's mm-hmm. knees. And usually we were talking about this before the pockets even started. Ishmael's probably not coming back. We don't have the money to afford him. I mean... It's just going to be kind of an example of what do we need more? Do we want a potential wing scorer, or do we want to make sure we solidify our point guard position? Yeah. If you go to Dwayne Casey, I think Dwayne Casey will probably go your route with the point guard position because the point guard is one of the more important positions on the court. Yeah, it just depends. It depends on what on what's there at fifteen. Honestly, I just you know Kevin Porter had an underwhelming year at USC. He dealt with some injuries. He shot forty percent from three, only averaged ten points a game, but he shot fifty percent from the free throw line, which is one, which is a big issue. Uh, you know, you look at Lonzo Ball; he sort of had the same sort of splits shooting percentage yep. wise, and you see how his jump shot didn't uh, translate. Is that what you call I, that thing? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to bring up Markel Fultz, but he sort of had the same splits at the free throw line yeah. and, and behind the three. Th- this the the issues Markel's having are more injury related right. now, but uh, it's just. When you look at guys, uh, he's got a flatter jumper, uh, and so that's that that worries me a little bit. But he's a dog, you know. He he plays great defense. Uh, he can probably guard one through three. Uh, he can he can score the basketball. He can get to the bucket. It's just the fact that that jump shot might not be able to translate to the to the next level. And you look at Lugans Dort out of Arizona State. He's a freshman. Same sort of player like like Kevin Porter Jr. He's just he's a bit of a better. He's a more consistent shooter. He just uh, he's not a very good decision maker. No, and so th- that's an issue there. You don't you don't want to bring in a in a young guy like like Dort who who can't really make decisions. Yeah. But when you're when you're in a position like the Pistons who are trying to be like a six or a five seed in the next coming years in the Eastern Conference or, or even higher for that matter, Casey Akpala I think is interesting. He's sort of like Rui, but I think he's just he's a little slimmer and I think he can fit into that three role a little better athletically speaking. Uh, he's he's a very He's a very good defender. He can guard one through four. Uh, his jump shot is improving. He was a 23% three-point shooter his freshman year at Stanford and was a 37% three-point shooter his sophomore year at Stanford, so obviously an improving jump shot. Off the dribbles where he sort of has some issues, uh, can't really uh, – his mechanics sort of go a little wonky off the dribble shooting-wise. There's a lot of there's a lot of options for the Pistons here at 15, but my, my number one choice right now is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Rui wouldn't be a bad fit, I don't think. It's just it's just going to depend on how, on what uh, on what direction the Pistons want to go. I just go right I haven't now. seen a good wing guy in the Motor City for a while. No, I mean Blake Griffin's great. Mm-hmm. He's not really a wing guy though. I mean, yeah. the last big wing signing slash draft pick we had was Stanley Johnson and then Josh Smith, and we all know how both those turned out. Not good. They just couldn't shoot. So no. I just kind of want if Rui. I know it's hard to say college three point shooting percentage to NBA because the line's further back. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. But if he can put up good three point shooting numbers and space the floor a little bit, open it up for our big guy. That's kind of what I'm looking for because our bread and butter is still going to be Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Yes, you get. Some somebody on the wing that can shoot. I mean, I do want the point guard security that you were talking about because Reggie Jackson does scare me, and if we don't have Ish Smith, mm-hmm. then really what are we going to do at the point guard position? I'm sure we'll sign somebody, but it won't be someone that can distribute like Ish Smith can. So it's just that's what I see is like I think a wing would do more immediate good for the Pistons, whereas a point guard would just kind of – it would it would solidify the point guard position and then look towards the future once Reggie Jackson's monster contract finally runs out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know – I just I, I've watched a lot of film on Nikhil Alexander Walker and you can sort of play him at a wing too off the ball and that I think that's what's nice about uh, about him he's versatile he, you can play him at a couple different positions I think I think with uh, on defense you know Kevin Porter Jr. he's a versatile guy offensively he's going to be locked into that two spot Lugan Stewart's going to be locked into that two spot. Um, uh, Casey Akpala is going to be a versatile guy. That, that's I think that's what you like to. Uh, that's a good thing to look for in today's NBA is guys that can be really versatile. That, oh yeah. You know, Rui's Rui's going to be a guy that can do that. He could play the three or the four, maybe a small ball five at mm-hmm. six ten. Uh, it's there's a there's a lot of guys there. Uh, there's some depth there. It's just they're all they're, they all got some question marks about them. And so it's just, it's going to depend on who this sort is which of which evil do you want to kind of take on. It, it, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes in this mock draft, especially after the combine. So I'm going to be interested to oh, see yeah. how the combine goes. This is just a uh, right off the right off the rip after the college season. We're seeing what's going on, and it's going to be interesting to see how the how the combines go. Definitely. 
Let's move on. We're going to stay on the NBA. Let's go to the playoffs, though, in the NBA to uh, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference Finals. The Western Conference Final, uh, Tuesday night, the Warriors were able to top the Trailblazers. And without Kevin Durant, they've now won 28 of their last 29 games without Kevin Durant in the lineup. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't really watching a lot of the game. I had it on in the background while I was working on the mock draft. And uh, I would look up, and it was a 15-point game. And the Warriors were winning. And then I'd look up, and the Trailblazers cut it to six. And then I'd look up again, and it was back to 12. And it was just like every time the Warriors uh, saw the lead getting uh, – the, the lead was shrinking, they found a way to get a couple more buckets, and Steph went on a run here or there. Clay went on a run. And uh, Quinn Cook was hitting shots. Jonas Jarebko was hitting shots. Jonas Jarebko, Pistons favorite. Oh, best my, – probably my favorite Pistons player Probably best time. foreign Pistons player ever. Second Starko Milicic for obvious reasons. But uh, Jonas Jarebko yes. I put ahead of him. All right, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Walter Herman, maybe you got to – Oh, maybe yeah. go with Darko. We'll yeah. see. But – they, they were getting really good contributions from their bench, and it wasn't something they were getting from uh, any part. The, their bench wasn't giving them any production in the first two rounds, and now the fact that they're starting to play them more and KD's out, they changed the way they're playing, and they're still winning. Well, the Warriors' heartbeat is right now without Kevin Durant. It's definitely Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry's been the guy for a while. He had a little couple rougher stretches in the mm-hmm. first couple rounds. I mean, 36 points on 12 of 23, 9 of 15 from three. That's Steph Curry's stat line mm-hmm. you're expecting to see in the playoffs. Um, Draymond Green, I, when I was watching the game, Draymond's doing his versatility thing. He's doing the thing that he got, but he's not talking. I mean, he's always talking, but yeah. he's doing the thing where he's passing the ball. He's taking those open shots that he knows he can make. He's just doing the rebound. He's doing the dirty work. He's, yeah. he's being a nuisance for the Trailblazers. Uh, Clay Thompson dropping in 26. I mean, Clay Thompson getting hot is just scary. He didn't get hot this game. But Clay Thompson's doing Clay Thompson things. Like you said, Jonas Drebko had nine points. I think that's the first time I've seen him shoot the ball in the entire playoffs. Yeah, coming off the bench, if you, if you can, whatever you're going to be able to give, I think they were only averaging like like five points a game off the bench or yeah. seven points a game off the bench in the first two rounds. And I think they're averaging 22 in the last two games with that KD's been out. And I think the biggest reason for the Trailblazers getting kind of blown out at the end of this game is that their two guys didn't come through. Damian Lillard shot four of 12, 19 points. CJ McCollum shot seven of 19, 17 points. Those are the guys you're kind of expecting. Mm-hmm. You don't need 35, 40 every night, but you need at least 20, 25. And then they're kind of, I mean, other than Rodney Hood putting up 17 on the bench, uh, Zach Collins had eight. Seth Curry had one three, and the rest of their bench had zero points. Yeah, everybody was really in love with Seth Curry after that one good game he had in the first year. I think it was in the second round, and other than that, he has not been. Seth Curry's a shooter. That's, that's yeah, all he is. and he's, he's, a, he's shooting, a straight. He's not doing yeah, and he's not he's not going to bring you any any sort of value. He, no. he he hit I think six or seven threes in one game, and that that's been about it. That's been the Curry that that's been the Seth Curry that we were really expecting for the entire. And postseason. I see the stat line that Ennis Cantor had sixteen boards, ten points. That's a good stat line. I think if the Trailblazers want to kind of change the like kind of their like makeup as far as this series goes, mm-hmm. you kind of you might have to insert someone like a Zach Collins in the starting lineup instead of Ennis Cantor, because we all know the Warriors' small ball sort of play style. I mean, they have Andrew mm-hmm. Bogut now, but Bogut doesn't get super like a whole bunch of minutes. Yeah, you're bringing someone like Zach Collins who's a little more versatile, could handle like an Andre Iguodala or a Draymond Green. I'm not saying they're going to completely stop him, but you get him on the court, and that's someone that's not going to be. And we all know about Cantor's defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of defensive skills. I mean, you bring in someone like him, who knows? Maybe it just changes a little more blocks, uh, shots blocked here and there, a little bit more uh, length on the inside. I don't know. Just something that you could always um, think about. Yeah, Zach Collins has been getting a lot of love from from a lot of uh, a lot of media media outlets. Uh, the, he's been he's been given a lot of good minutes. He's been getting into foul trouble, which has been the mo from him since he was in high school, uh, since he was in, at Gonzaga. He he gets into foul trouble really easily. And uh, this is sort of the role he's always played in his career. He's always been the sixth or seventh man coming off the bench. Right. Uh, we forget that he was the 11th pick, but he was like the seventh guy on Gonzaga's roster mm-hmm. in that national championship game. Um, when he was in high school, he was I think he was stuck behind a couple of top top end center recruits in high school. He never he never started until his senior year. And so he sort of thrives in this role. And we're seeing him sort of play some better basketball than he did in the in the, in the regular true. season. Uh they they have been sliding him into the starting lineup in the second half. They just haven't been starting him for for most. Well, it's not worked better for him because it's just it's something he's not used to. Exactly, he's a, he's still a younger guy. This is still I think this is only his second year in second or third. Second year or third, in, yeah, he's yeah. still pretty young. He's still pretty young. Do you see a Warrior sweep, sweep without KD? Do you think do you think if they win game two, they just say you know what we're going to try to see if we can get this without KD? 
I don't think so. I just I I've bet against Damian Lillard time and time again and have been proved wrong. He's gonna hit some big shots. He's gonna have a monster game. I still think the Warriors win the series, mm-hmm. and I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a four-one. But I just don't see the Trailblazers getting swept. I don't think Damian Lillard can allow that to happen. Yeah, I think Dame's gonna go off in one of those games in Portland. Uh, he he's been. He's been fantastic throughout the entire postseason, whether it was home or away, but he's really shown out big in Portland. Uh, C.J. McCollum had a big Game 7 against Denver. We could see a big, uh, another big game from him. Uh, but other than that, what other guys are you really counting on in this? As far as the offense goes, you know, yeah, you got Rodney Hood, but uh, are you really hoping he's going to be the heartbeat of an offensive dame or C.J. don't have it going? You know, and like, Can, yeah, he, re- can he really carry the load is, is – is the thing, and I, I don't, don't know, think so. Yeah, and I don't think he really could. So that it's it's the it's the fact that you really need uh, Damon CJ to come up big, and the fact that they only had what, what would you say twelve and seventeen, nineteen and seventeen, nineteen and seventeen. That's just not the that's not the performances you want from your two yeah. best players. Uh, let's move on to the Milwaukee Toronto series. Milwaukee won Game One last night after a big fourth quarter. Uh, Brooke Lopez was their leading scorer. With uh, 29 points, a playoff Big career man high. It would have been, you know, if the Lakers had Brooke Lopez, you know what I mean. If, if, if he would have been, they're great. in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, Brooke Lopez. They, they let you him. Walk, they, don't, they don't. They let him walk this offseason for for nothing. For nothing. For nothing. Uh, Brooke Lopez. What a, what a steal by the Milwaukee Bucks to get Brooke Lopez unreal. for four. For four is either four million or three million a year. Unreal. I mean that's since I think we paid Zaza Pachulia two point seven. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, the, we don't need to talk about that too much. <laughs> but the the Bucks, you know, they they started out a little slow last night. Kawhi Leonard, he was ten to twenty six. Another another. High usage game for Kawhi, which he's always going to get, but just not very productive. Uh, no, ten twenty six. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. Not terrible, but you know, it's if close. You take a twenty six, mm-hmm. you want at least thirteen. Yeah. Um, he he had a good game seven. Obviously, he hit that big game winner against against Philly. But in that one, he took forty five shots, and he I think he was like seventeen of forty four or something, something along those lines. So. You know, you'd, you'd like to see Kawhi knocking down some more of these shots, but he is getting to the free throw line. He was ten to ten from the line. Um. As far as the other guys on the team go, though, for for they, the Raptors, that's the bigger issue. You know, you got Pascal Siakam. He was 6-20. The sad thing is for the Raptors mm-hmm. is that they finally got playoff contribution from Kyle Lowry, and, and they still lost. Yes. Which like, is very scary for the rest of the series because mm-hmm. if Kyle Lowry can show out and they're still losing, what happens if he doesn't show out? Then yeah. what's going to happen? That's yeah. what's scary about this series. Marcus Gasol, you bring him in for his playoff pedigree. He's 2 of 11. He had 12 rebounds, uh, but only 6 points. He hit two threes. Coming off the bench, you're not getting much from your bench. You'd like to see you'd like to see more from Serge Ibaka, but he only had four points and four boards. I look at the box score. Is that Mike Miller? Malcolm Miller. Okay, oh, I'm about to get really oh. excited. Uh, and then look at the box. You know they didn't really have that great of a uh, of a shooting night either. Uh, only 25% from three. But Brooke Lopez hit four of them. He was 12 of 21. Uh, Giannis didn't have his, have his best night, twenty four no. points, but he was he was a beast on the re, on the boards again. He was doing Giannis rebounds. things. Giannis can do things that this, this uh, box score doesn't show. Just yeah. being a big guy driving mm-hmm. a lane and making everyone close on him and opening people up like Brook Lopez. And on the defensive end, uh, stopping Kawhi Leonard. That's what uh, that was oh, what yeah. really Giannis was talking about uh, last night in the press conference. That they made they made Kawhi feel the Bucks last night, and that, and that certainly shows. Um, one thing to point out, the, the big differential in rebounds, uh, Milwaukee had them plus 14 in the rebounding differential, and uh, that, that's going to play a big difference, getting extra shots uh, for sure. Uh, the Bucks only only getting an extra one extra shot uh, at uh, last night, but getting those uh, 14 extra rebounds oh, yeah. certainly will extra, help, you on, the, help you on the offensive end. That's what it's all about in the NBA. And, and I think that the biggest problem with the Rebs going forward is if they're going to run an eight-man rotation like they did last night, Fred Van Bleet's got to shoot, and Serge Ibaka's got to, got to do his big man corner three sort of routine. Yeah, the the big the big loss for the for the Raptors, which has been the entire postseason that they've been able to play without him, is uh, is OG Ananubi. Oh yeah, he's a great player to have in this Very lineup. Very versatile. Like we're you talking can, about earlier. You can slide him in for Danny Green, and he on, not only on the defensive end 
adds a lot more. But offensively, he can slash a little bit for you. You lose the outside shooting ability a little bit, um, but the slashing ability and, and the defensive ability really perk up when you have OG in yeah, that lineup. Yeah, and you can bring up on the and bench that can be a ball handler, too. It, exactly. And so when you don't have him, when you don't have one of your guys that, you're, that you've been leaning on uh, for most of the season, that sort of that, that's not very good. You'd like to see him come back here. Uh, I've heard he might be able to come back when they get back to Toronto, but they, they've been saying he might be back uh, every series, yeah. So it's it's, it's going to it, yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think this is going to be a good series, though. I, I think, think last night. Good. I think last night was a good indication of what we're going to see. I think it's going to be a. I think, however many games we get in this series, I think they're all going to be hard fought games. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to be real tight. Uh, the opposite of sort of what I'm thinking we'll see from the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. I think we're going to see some. Some duds like we did in game one. We're I think. gonna see some really good three quarter games in the Western Conference. Yes. We're gonna see some really tight third quarter, then Clay Thompson's gonna get hot yeah. or something's gonna happen. Yeah, I think we're gonna see the, the Eastern Conference finals have or the Eastern Conference playoffs for that matter have been really exciting. Not, not I mean, you know, it they, it helps that you have Kawhi Leonard hitting the cra- uh, the the slowest shot of oh. uh, NBA history, bouncing on the rim four times and did all Paul, the all the exciting rim hits. I don't think so, but he did say he practiced that shot all the time. Skip Bayless didn't believe him. I don't I think, think I believe him either. I don't know. That's a, I mean a corner three like that falling into the corner while it hits. The, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I buy it. I, I feel like I've seen him take that shot a few times during games, so maybe maybe I can buy it. I don't right. know. I don't know. You gotta say, you gotta say it though at, in the, at the press conference, but. Uh, this, this series, I think, is going to go. I, I could see it definitely going seven games, um, and I think I picked uh, Milwaukee to come out of the East, and I, I'm going to stay with Milwaukee. And, I think you uh, have to. I yeah, mean, I, Giannis. They just the, when you have to go to depth, they have the depth that they can go to. You know, they have guys uh, like Malcolm Bro- Brogdon's back. He yeah, you have you have Malcolm Brogdon back. He 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 got 15. He had three threes last night. Uh, if you're going to get some production like this out of Brook Lopez, obviously he's not going to be your leading scorer every night, but you'd like to see more than 24 from Giannis on most nights. Right. Uh, you'd like to see Chris Middleton knock down more than one of six of his threes. Eric Bledsoe did not have a good game by any means George last Hill night. George Hill had a big donut on the scoreboard. George Hill played just as many minutes as Eric Bledsoe and played worse somehow, and Bledsoe had a terrible outing. And yeah. it's just that it's crazy to see that they got – not very good production, and we're still able to still be to knock off Toronto, especially with two thirty-point performances from Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. And that just kind of shows how good of a team Milwaukee is. Mm-hmm. If both teams are doing bad, they're still going to be that better team, just because of the they do have that Brogdon coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Brogdon outscored the entire Raptors bench. Yeah, by himself. Yeah, hopefully we can get a uh, a more exciting Western Conference Finals, but we're certainly going to get an exciting Eastern Conference oh, for Finals. Sure. One game in in the NHL last night, Chance. If you want to talk about that a little bit, uh, uh, yeah, it was Sharks Blues. Um, Western Conference Finals. I talked about this on the podcast that will be forever gone. Forever, forever on Noah's MacBook. Um, but yeah, I think it, it went to overtime, five to four. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Sharks. Just I told, I said it the other day with you. I mean, they're just a very aggressive style team. They're going to play and probably win high scoring sorts of uh, playoff games. I mean, like they have Gustav Nyquist that they acquired from the Red Wings. Rest in peace. Evander Kane, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, all those guys. I mean, the Blues have a good story this year. They have, like, the glorious song and all that. They have a good, solid defense. They have one of the better goaltenders. But, I mean, the Sharks just – it's offense versus defense. And as, as far as the NHL goes nowadays, I believe that, especially in the playoffs, it's your top two lines and your goaltending. And while the Blues have the edge on the goaltending, I think that the top two lines for the Sharks is just over and over the top as far as scoring potential and playmaking potential. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I got to say about that series. And then the Carolina Hurricanes Bruins series is still going on. The Bruins are up 3 0. Are we going to get a third Boston sports title <sighs> in the year 2019? I'm so. I'm such a big Carolina Hurricanes guy right now. And to see them go down 3 0, I want to see them reverse sweep it. Bring, just because just I. I I, we're not supposed to be biased, but I do not like Boston, especially in hockey. <laughs> who, just, li- who likes Boston people? Anyways. Boston people. That's it. That's it. That and is it. So, I mean, but that series is probably over. I talk like the Bruins have the experience on the Hurricanes. Hurricanes kind of rode the what they called the storm surge, having a really good second half, riding the coattails of a lot of good young players, having hot stretches. I think the Magic just kind of finally wore off, and the Bruins will probably, if I had to guess, the Stanley Cup fi- uh, final would definitely be Bruins Sharks. Which I think was your prediction yeah, last week. Yeah, it, it was, which was, but I didn't want it to come true. But here yeah. we are. So, but that's You're, all I got for hockey today. Yeah, quick little, quick little hockey minute for chance. You know, 
at least one of us watches some hockey. We can if we have a couple viewer or listeners out there that like it, you know. Hey, they're, they're, those they're, guys are getting going out there putting their bodies on the line. They're exactly. losing teeth. Oh, for the for boys. Sure. For sure. Uh, the last thing I would just want to talk about. Uh, we talked about it last week on the pod, but once again, did not get posted. Yeah. Um, the Detroit Lions draft. It's a few uh, a few weeks out. Or a few weeks. We have time to gather ourselves. Yeah, we've you been know, able get to some new opinions. In. Yeah, we've been able to think about it a little more. And you know, the more and more I look at the draft, I like it. You know, I, I like I like the picks that we were able to get. Talked myself into a couple of them. Hawkinson, Hawkinson was a safe pick at, at eight. The safest. I mean, we talked like I said, tight end scare me, but Hawkinson is that blocking receiver mm-hmm. threat. You love to see that, especially in the Matthew Stafford offense. You like to see someone because you need the safety valve. Uh huh. And he's goal. already shown in in rookie mini camps that he's had some good hands. He's uh-huh. he's made some good catches. And Put as much clout into rookie mini camps as you want. As much as you want, right. but uh, he's he's catching he's catching some passes. He's not having many drops, and that's that's good to see. Yeah, um, he's going to be a safety valve that I feel like Matthew Stafford hasn't had in a long time. I mean, he's got. He was kind of running that sort of offense last year before we traded to Golden Tate. If Golden Tate wasn't shaking his guy in the five yard box. And Jones and Galladay weren't open deep. He didn't really have much. He kind of yeah. had to do a dump off or kind of make something to do with his legs. Hawkinson could be that guy that can run five yards slant across the middle, just kind of own the middle of the field, mm-hmm. have all the attention come court, come towards the middle of the field, open up your Marvin Jones and your Kenny Galladay. So, and everyone's saying that Marvin Jones is overrated. You're wrong. Yeah, love that guy. He's done a lot for the Detroit organization. But he might not he might not show up a lot in the reception, but he he gets big receptions yes. when we need him. Oh, and that's, very much. So. And that's what's huge. He can't. He probably doesn't have a lot of the the yak that like Kenny Galladay will have this year, or even year. Golden Tate. Last or even year. Golden Tate. Uh, nobody comes close to the yak of Golden Tate. But just being able to beat his guy down the field and go up there for those 50-50 balls, Marvin Jones is is a is a nice guy to have. And you got to remember that just because he's not catching the ball doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Exactly. If, he, if he's running a flank control route over the middle of the field, he's taking a corner and a safety with mm-hmm. him. That opens up so many more opportunities. Even if it's just a dump off to the running back. Yeah. You take that corner out of the equation, that's the whole left side he's got to work with. That's mm-hmm. maybe a first down, five yards here and there. Yeah, and so many weapons now for Stafford on the offense. There's really no side. excuse now. This is kind of I love like Eddie said, Stafford. He's got to prove it. Like you said, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, T.J. Hawkinson, Jesse Danny James, Kerryon Johnson. Uh, maybe if we bring back Theo Reddick, you got C.J. Anderson as your third down back. Uh, He's got all the tools to succeed. I finally think. Yeah, and we got the offensive line should be better. You know, a, a more more experienced. Taylor Decker had a bit of an off year coming back from injury laden season. Yeah. Uh, Frank Ragnow was great last year. Oh, I love, Graham Glasgow's I love a solid. Center. Graham Glasgow's a solid center. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Kenny Wiggins or uh, is it Kenny Wiggins? I think we're um, slide. It's between Kenny Wiggins, Tyrell Crosby, and Ode Abushi for guard. Uh huh. Yeah. So and I, we signed uh, Bo uh, from Wisconsin. Bo Schwazel, I think his name is. He could Bo be. He, he could be a guard. Yeah. Option and uh, then Rick, Rick Wagner, Wagner who we'll probably see gone after this season. Yeah, this uh, is probably his last year in Detroit. But yeah. I hope they could, they could turn into good season. I think the Packers mm-hmm. are probably our safest bet. Yeah. Glasgow has been one of the most underrated interior linemen, I think, in the league. Getting him in the third was was he's great. He's not an elite interior lineman. He's no. not a guy you're going to pay big bucks to, but, but he, he holds on the fourth. Uh-huh. He does a good job as a center. He he and Ragnow are are, are perfect fit. Yeah, right there in the middle. It's just that right guard or whatever whatever TJ Lang left mm-hmm. behind. It, that's going to be the biggest question mark on the offensive line. Yeah, that that was where we had our biggest struggles last year, just because Lang was in and out of the lineup. I uh, think maybe that now that he's like gone, gone, we can have like a solidified start. I mean, uh-huh. it could be a rotation between those three guys we mentioned earlier, but yeah. I think having him not having a question every week, is he in, is he out, yeah. it'll make it a little bit easier. Uh, let's just go down the list real quick. Uh, the rest of the draft picks. Second round, we got Jelani Tavai, linebacker out of Hawaii. A very polarizing pick, I feel like. Uh, a lot of people weren't super high on Caught the pick. Caught me by surprise. Caught everybody by surprise. But the more and more you watch film on him, the more you hear what the scouts were saying about him going into the draft and what teams were thinking about him. He was actually, you know, that's where that's where he was going to be drafted. Whether, He's a downhill guy. He's going to uh-huh. come in and stuff the running. He's going to come in and be a, maybe a pass rusher mm-hmm. up the middle. He's and, very athletic, very good tackler. Yes. Which is like Jared Davis, very good tackler. Uh, I think you talked about the zone coverage, the covers is kind of thing. I don't think that he's going to be awful at that. No, I don't. I don't think he'll do a bad job. I don't think, the the I don't speed think, concerns me, but I think uh, I, I think even even if Jared Davis gets it gets put into the zone, even uh, in matchup wise, I think 
He wasn't very good last year, but he was certainly better than he was his rookie season. So if he's improving in that aspect, you know, you don't expect first or second year linebackers to be able to be great coverage guys. Yeah, you don't get a little tiefly every time. No, and so if if you get just these guys uh, getting better and better each year, that's what you're that's what you're really looking for. And Jared right. Davis was better last year in coverage, and so I'd like to. See, I think we're another going to. Step forward this I think year. we're going to see another step forward this year, and I think that you can leave Jelani sort of just. Uh, station there uh, rather than having him cover anybody. Yeah, let Jelani make plays. That's yeah. what he did uh, his entire mm-hmm. career with the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Will Harris out of Boston College, he hasn't signed yet um, for some reason. Getting um, I th- saw some things. I've read a couple of Detroit stuff, like the fan pages uh-huh. and everything. They say that third round picks there's lots of weird contract language for okay. some reason. So I did I did see something. I didn't know if it was like a joke, like it's no, so it, hard to get third rounders. But yeah, no, that right. makes, I saw okay. it on a couple of different tweets, so that's okay. probably why he's still not signed. Yeah, uh, you know, they got Tracy Walker in the third last year. Another another safety here in the third. Uh, with Glover Quinn being gone, uh, you have to you have to fill the role somehow, and right. so just bringing in another body and uh, very stocky dude. Yeah, very stocky safety. He looks like he can make you could use, in the running game. I, and I think you could use him uh, around the the defense as well. Maybe oh, you yeah. put him in the front seven a little bit. Uh, we just we talked about in the NBA earlier. Versatility is a big mm-hmm. thing in the NFL, and that's too. what and that's what these guys are looking for. Uh, yeah. Bob Quinn has really been talking about that. He's been looking for. Yeah. It. Uh, Austin Bryant, defensive end out of Clemson, and Imani Awarie, uh, D-back out of uh, Penn State. Those are probably our best two value picks. I really like the, both the those picks. Austin Bryant, I mean, he was kind of like the unsung hero. Like I think he was. there's five guys that I talked about that were in the draft mm-hmm. this year for Clemson D-line. He was like the fourth guy taken. I mean, just because he was outshined by those guys like Clellan Farrell and Dexter Lawrence doesn't mean he was not as good as those guys. No, I mean, when you have four potential first-round picks in those, I mean, Clellan Farrell went four. Uh, Christian Wilkins, I believe, went in the first round as well. Mm-hmm, do it to the Dolphins. Yeah, and so when you have guys like that in front of you, Dexter Lawrence went, I believe, in the first round, or did he fall to the second? I don't remember. I know he's a giant. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, when you have three of those guys that are projected first-round picks in front of you, uh, it's hard for you to get really that many reps. And in the reps he did get, uh, on the snaps that he got, he was – very productive. He did well. He was, a, yeah. he was a very athletic guy. He reminds me a lot of like a... Like he's a bigger He's a bigger DN. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of something we need. I mean, mm-hmm. we're trying to offset... You talked about Will Harris, Glover Quinn leaving. We, uh, Ziggy Ons is a Seahawk. Mm-hmm. We kind of need... We don't need Ziggy Ons right away now. We don't need to spend another first round pick on DN. Mm-hmm. We definitely need the depth. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we went offense in the sixth round with Travis Fulgham, a wide receiver out of Old Dominion. Wait, we're not going to go past Imani, are we? Oh yeah, we can talk about Amani. I, I don't want to go. Yeah, past yeah, we, yeah. Let's talk about Amani. Yeah, sorry, I completely forgot about it. But that was it was my favorite. Yeah, draft so I was about to say, what are you doing? It was, it was my absolute. Pick. Yeah, it was our favorite pick of the draft. You know, we we talked about it before. If we would have had Amani in the second and Tavon and Jelani Tavai in the in the We'd fifth, we would have been so much happier with this draft. A lot of Lions fans. I'm still happy with the draft. Oh yeah, but Lions fans would have been happier. Yeah, if those, if the, just those two draft picks. The were everyday non mock draft nerds would have been ecstatic. Yeah, and. Getting Amani in the fifth, I was asking for him at every round. I said, let's get him in the second, let's get him in the third, let's get him in the fourth. He was still there in the fifth, and we got him. You know, four four six speed. He was all Big Ten second team last Lengthy, year. Lengthy, six two, modern day NFL corner. He can, he, he, Big I, Ten pedigree. Mm-hmm. He he can catch the ball pretty well for a for a cornerback. And I think putting him on the opposite side of, of Slay, I think you got you got two pretty good cornerbacks. And I don't think right it's there. every day your fifth round pick can kind of be like that starter on the other side from Slay. But I exactly. think that he might have to be the guy to do that. I mean, maybe Rashawn Melvin at first. I know Justin mm-hmm. Coleman's basically only slot. Yeah, Coleman will be the slot guy, and I think he'll be. So maybe Melvin gets mm-hmm. to start, and then if Ohorie is everything we want him to be, then he slides into there, but gets yeah. more reps on the outside with with Slay, which just excites me because I. The Lions secondary has been up and down for the last few years. It's mm-hmm. just I really want to see that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Now let's go to the sixth round. We had offensive players picked here. Travis Fulgham, wide receiver out of Old Dominion, and Ty Johnson, running back out of Maryland. Offensive uh, nothing, depth. Yeah, nothing Nothing that sort of uh, blows me away there. Uh, nothing to really talk about. Ty, Ty Johnson might be a good uh, return guy. and It'll be interesting It'll be interesting to see if they do cut, what, cut ties with Ty, Theo Reddick after this draft pick. And Fulgham, he's a slower wide receiver. He's a big uh, body. Yeah, he's a big body guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They actually have him listed as a cornerback out of Toledo. Maybe, maybe play corner. That'd be know. nuts. Uh, Isaac Nauta and PJ Johnson, defensive tackle. PJ Johnson. Isaac you like Nauta the Nauta pick? You really? Did. I I like the Nauta pick actually. Yeah, uh, it's only a se- seventh round pick, so I mean, what's the harm in, in taking another tight exactly. end there? Uh, he only ran a four eight, but. Um, they announced he only ran a 4.8, and then I was watching all the film they had on him, 
and I mean he was blown by guys on the field and it's like I could not if you if I would have just had just pure film to watch I would have told you he was around like a four six five four seven like yeah, but which is, isn't which isn't blazing by any means no, but for but a tight, tight end, end that's pretty good, that, that's pretty good and see you the can, one thing about that's so funny about putting so much uh, value and so much um, what not stock into the forty uh, yard dash mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. How many times does an NFL player run at 40 yards as fast as they can? Exactly, yeah. So it's just like the on-field speed, how well they can switch mm-hmm. gears, how well they can get the ball positioned into their arm mm-hmm. and just take off. That's kind of more the thing. And you saw that with Nada. He gets the ball in open space. He's go. He's and, and go he can, and he can get by corners and like those are SEC corners he's getting oh, by. Yeah. They're not. They're they're. If you're some, moving that quick and you're as big as he is, that's mm-hmm. gonna be a tough guy to stop. Yeah, you might. You probably won't see him play tight end very often. I think you might see him more as a wide receiver, honestly, in the offense. I think that. He might I get think, some fullback reps too. You never know. Yeah, you could. Bob Quinn's got some interesting fullback options. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. PJ Johnson out of Arizona. He was a he was a transfer from a JUCO school. He's a big dude. Didn't have a lot of film on him, but he's huge. He's, he's a, a he, big dude. Huge defensive tackle, so you could maybe just you know adding depth there. He didn't. He's not very quick. I mean, I think uh, our kind of our mo right now is kind of like the big run stuffing guy in the middle. Yeah. We traded for snacks. A Sean's a big dude, and now yeah. PJ Johnson. I mean, PJ's not going to see tons of snaps if any this year. Yeah, but, but he's a big guy. Yeah. I mean, you can learn from a Damian uh, Snacks Harrison or mm-hmm. a, a Sean. And like we said, we dra- we signed a couple uh, offensive Bo linemen, uh, undrafted guys. Uh, twenty guys offered him a contract or twenty and teams. Cut- us. And he, he took, probably just saw the best opportunity because of a right guard situation. Yeah, but. he probably saw that he could he could win that one pretty pretty easily. Yeah, uh, but he's I, I like I said I kind of <laughs> wanted the line to take him where we took uh, Ty Johnson all them sixth round fifth yeah. round. I mean I'm glad we got Amani, but I was looking I'm like okay we're gonna pick him up right. Yeah. And then no one else picked him up and I saw he's the undrafted free agent market. Uh-huh. I'm like well maybe he'll be, decide the lines are a good yeah. fit for him. I thought we might have got him in the seventh when he was still there and we just didn't take him. I thought we might have gotten Tyree Jackson. And that's the whole lore thing about the draft. Like they could they probably knew he was gonna fall completely out for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah. And we'll never know. Yeah. And we just have no idea that's gonna happen. Exactly. Uh, last thing to touch on the NFL, it just actually got announced that Patrick Patterson. Uh, is suspended for six Peterson? games. Peterson? Peterson, yeah, excuse me. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, one of them plays basketball and one of them doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Peterson, he's suspended for six games for violating the PED policy. Really? Yes. So That's kind of big because he kind of had his name floating around in some trade rumors. Exactly. That's, that's what I was thinking. You know, the Lions were, were one of those teams floating around uh, that eight spot. Did you say it was six games? Six games, yeah. yeah. So... so I mean, they're going to lose every game this year anyways with Kyler under under center. So Hey, he looked pretty dope in a dark visor and a gold chain. Yeah. Kyler Murray. I mean, but watching him in the minicamp, though, cracks me up because he's so small. Mm-hmm. He's out there with these big dudes. He just looks tiny. I mean, I'm sure Russell Wilson looked the same way when he yeah. came out. And we, I, we're never going to— The thing is, like, Russ is like—, I, like Kyler's probably a little bulkier than we actually make give him credit for, right. but like Russ is built pretty well. Yeah, and and Baker Baker's not built little either. Kyler's just kind of he. I just don't I don't see it body type wise, and I know that's not the only thing you should worry about, but it's the only thing I'm worrying about. Actual last thing I want to touch on the PGA Championship. We got Brooks Kepka in the lead. Brooks and my dad and I picked him on our DraftKings lineup, so. He's gonna do good for us this week. I'm pumped. Tiger, where's Ricky? Tiger, oh, he's in. I think he's on. Uh, he was on the first page. Ricky's a dog. Ricky's, yeah, Ricky's my boy. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky's I mean, been my else, favorite. Who else pulls off cream orange like that? That's what I'm saying. Nobody. That's the only reason why he was my favorite. Go- I was started watching the PGA Tour like when I was a freshman in high school, and I saw him like on a final day, and he was dressed in all orange. And I was like, you know what? He's my favorite player, and he's turned out to be pretty good. He just can't win a dang major. I was watching the part of my take podcast last night or I watched a clip of it and mm-hmm. they had Brooks Kepka in the studio and they're talking to him and he said they're talking about how whenever he had a straight drive he'd say it's Gucci bro <laughs> so he said he might do it this time and maybe he's doing it well because he's on top of the he's yeah he's on the card yeah he's got he's got a two-shot lead over Luke List and uh, Tommy Fleetwood's three under Fowler is in a Huge tie for six that one under, and then there's a ton of guys that even ton this of guys. Might turn into a golf podcast. We're not. Gonna might play. turn into a golf podcast. Probably not. No. Uh, Tim so, Jensen would love us. Yes. For that. Uh, no, that's gonna do it for us uh, this week. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Uh, yeah, we're gonna keep this going all summer. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Chance at Chance Isles, and uh, I'm at Real Noah Jensen three. Uh, we're gonna try to get some guests. Uh, if any of you out there listening that uh, want to be on, you know. Give us a shout shout out, and uh, you can uh, maybe stop by the podcast. But uh, until next week, we'll see you.